All right, welcome back to Country and Cold Cans. I'm Logan, sitting here with trucker Andy Kyle, and once again, Classic Rock Carter, presented by the Cold Cans Network. All right, we got some uh, some funny news here, fellas. Um, Carter texted me before the show, and I told Carter we're going to lead off the show with this, and I'm going to share my screen so that you guys can see. Oh, I was going to text it to him. <laughs> I got it right here, because Carter, I want you to read what you did <laughs> for everyone on the interwebs uh, to, right. to hear. So our, our boy, Classic Rock Carter, right here has been put in Twitter jail from the official Cold Cans wrestling Twitter page. He was, I'm assuming this was part of your live tweeting thread last yeah, night. This was, this was live tweeting double or nothing. And Carter, just for everyone on audio, will you read this vile tweet that you put out uh, for yes. everyone to read? Um, uh, let's see. This uh, is what we call a, accountability, accountability folks. Yes. Uh, at uh, May 29th, 2022 at, it was not 7 19 p.m. I guess that's a different time zone. Uh, I hope at Frankie Kazarian just annihilates at Sammy Guevara and leaves him for dead. Hashtag AEW DON. Carter is in Twitter jail, fellas. I am we, in Twitter jail. We basically have Carter Trump on our hands. Uh, uh, so I got this earlier today and I got it while I was. Uh, helping my grandparents do some yard work. So I can only really mess around on the phone with it. And I was going to just log in and delete the tweet. Cause like they tell you down there at the bottom, if you just want to delete the tweet, we, it wouldn't let me, it wouldn't let me verify my email and just log back in. So, uh, when I got home, I had to just contact Twitter support and I guess, telling so are, them, you, are you locked out of the account? I cannot get into the account until this appeal is, uh, yeah, like, look, uh, you will not be able to access your Twitter account until the appeal is reviewed. So essentially, until they say, okay, this is not something worth reporting, or until they say, no, it's worth reporting, and you need to suffer the consequences, um, yeah, I can't access the account. If it doesn't get reviewed until before dynamite tomorrow i might just cancel the appeal and just delete the tweet because reviews a shit so, so I, I tried to switch over to it just a second ago and this is the message that it got me it said your account has been locked and it said what happened we have determined that this account has violated twitter rules so carter's in twitter jail it said the rule <laughs> you violated was violating our rules against abuse and harassment Yes. may not engage in targeted harassment of someone or incite other people to do so. This includes wishing or hoping that someone experiences physical harm. You know, Kyle, if you ask me, it sounds like that Carter basically is trying to incite a, uh, an insurrection in the, um, in the uh, professional wrestling community. Sweat, that's what it looks like to me. Carter, you ought to be Man. deeply ashamed of yourself. We want a when you get your uh, access back, we want a tear-filled apology video. Tweet won't work. A video for all your followers. For uh, you to let apologize me, let for just, your transgressions. Let me just pull up my notes app real quick and uh, type out a nice little apology here. Yeah, yeah just like uh, people do. You um, should have saw this one coming. I mean, he's a Crispin Wa fan. That is true. How did I know? Uh, his favorite there? wrestler. How did I know? His favorite wrestler. Uh, Carter, there. known Crispin Wa guy. Um, look. So, I, I didn't, he didn't deny means, it. 
He didn't what deny he's a Chris Benoit guy. He did not deny. I was. CBG. I was a Chris Benoit guy when he was alive. It CRC is a CBG. It, but I hope he's burning in hell for what he did. Anyway. Yeah, that's a fair take. So, yeah. Essentially what this means is that somebody saw this tweet on Twitter and reported me for it. Literally all I'm saying here is that I was hoping because Frankie and I was Frankie Kazarian was teaming with Sammy Guevara and Sammy was doing a bunch of bullshit and being a dickhead to his own tag partner. So I essentially was just like, I hope Frankie walks out on him and then leaves him to get annihilated by American top team. That's all I was saying. I wasn't saying that I hope that American top team legitimately kills him. But of course you can't do shit like that on Twitter. Now the question we need to launch a cold cans investigation in this. Cause at one, I want to be on the record that I've had control of the country and cold cans account for three years now. And I've never once been to Twitter deal. I'm, I'm free of Twitter, Joe. But Carter has started this account not that long ago. And it took him just a short, what, couple months before you got put in Twitter, Joe. But now the question I have is, who do we think it, uh, reported you? Um, do you think it was Sammy Guevara? No, it was probably it was probably some Sammy Stan or something like that. Well, do they follow but, you? No, they don't. All they have to do is because I'm... Because I put his at in there, and because uh-huh. I put the AWDO in, all they have to do is search for that. And if they go by recent, which some people would be if they were live tweeting along with the show or they were checking Twitter for updates, that'd be one of the first things they'd see. They go, well, I don't want Sammy Guevara to die, and they report me. <laughs> Soft. Mm. They're, they're Wrestling like, Twitter is wild, man. Wrestling Twitter is fucking wild. There are, some, there are some freaking creeps on wrestling Twitter. There are a lot of creeps on wrestling Twitter. It, it's wrestling Twitter. It, there's creeps. There's stands. There's it's just it's a shit show on there, man. Carter, yeah. what are you following those people? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not following either of those people. Actually, I just live tweeted it. Or I, I put their ads because no, no, that no, no, gets no. Better he traffic. said he said, where do you fall within the all the uh, the names you've given to the, the people in wrestling Twitter? Where do you uh, fall in that? Well, let's see. Considering I was willing to make a Twitter account following professional wrestling and just tweeting about professional wrestling, I'm probably one of those weirdos who likes it a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, we, do, we do the same just for to country call a spade music, a spade. So. And we do the same for country music. So, I mean, like we can really, really say a whole lot there. But I've never been to Twitter, Joe. No, neither have I. Neither. So, so you're the, you in any jail of any form. Kyle, Kyle, do we even have a Twitter? <laughs> yeah, I, haven't. I nuked it. It's like it's very. Uh, I didn't like when I say I nuked it. I nuked like he's trying to avoid podcast jail by saying he's trying to clarify what he means by nuke. Yeah, true. I, I, I limited to who I follow to like a select few things just because it's a, a cesspool. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's mainly like sports stuff. No, I don't. I don't tweet. I get on there to see. Occasionally, I will search hashtags to watch meltdowns because they're funny. But now, Carter, I have two more things real quick before we have to move on to the second part of the Zach Ryan review. One, to be fair, Kyle and I did get struck one time. We never got put on probation like you, but we it's did true. get str- we, we did get struck one time on an episode that it was on of Cole Cans here. That it was just me and him. Uh, one Friday, Andy was busy uh, working, Trucking. and we we got struck for COVID misinformation, which we all know, whatever. But 
we got struck for COVID misinformation. So we, we have had a warning. We got a slap on the wrist. We just it's, didn't get put on probation. I believe it's episode 50 or is it 50? Yeah, no. it was something like that. We were talking about Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. <laughs> that was the sole reason we got clipped. Yeah. So it still has the warning label there. Yeah, it was pretty funny, actually. But, but Carter, the other question I had is I'm, I'm just trying to think of who, who out of the box could have reported you. You haven't made your girlfriend mad lately, have you? Because what if she, oh, no. you know, was like, oh, I'm Carter got a tone with me the other day. Guess what? His account going to report him. Carter, I think uh, you should know, fight this. And if she would, she absolutely would not do it on a tweet where I'm talking shit about Sammy Guevara because she hates Sammy Guevara more than I do. That's fair. <laughs> I remember you saying that. I remember you saying that. But now, Carter, I'm with Kyle. Fight this. Don't delete it and apologize. Yeah, I'm hoping the appeal goes through. Um, I'm hoping I don't just get caught by a bot and somebody can actually look at this and be like, you know, get the context of it. But Carter, uh, I'm Carter. Um, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. I would like you to screenshot this picture you sent Logan and appeal uh-huh. to Elon Musk and say, please unlock my uh, my wrestling account. Do it from your regular Twitter page and right. then get yes. put on Twitter jail there, too. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> So it wasn't that bad because it's not an IP ban. So you'd be locked out of your other. No, as well. it, it, it's supposed to be just a 12 hour, like lack of, and it, it's not, I'm technically not even supposed to be locked out of the account. The only reason I'm locked out of the account is because you appealed it. Yeah. Twitter. I technically didn't even appeal it. Twitter support thought I wanted to appeal it. How does that work? I thought you had to click the appeal button. I didn't get the opportunity to. When I was on there earlier today, it was like, you don't have a email with this account. Give us an email and then we'll send you a verification email. When I tried to do that, it like locked up and it kept telling me something went wrong and it didn't go through. Try again. How did you make the it, account if you don't have an email? You you don't have to technically put a verified email account with it until but I mean, But you have later. to create, you have to have, you haven't verified it, but you used an email. Yeah. So, yeah, it was not verified, and I could not use the email that I use already for um, right. my personal. So you could have linked it. I've got, yeah, I've I got a, did one of my um, like three accounts. Ones. I went and did like one of my backup emails that I haven't touched in forever. Right. And uh, Was that the one you subscribed to Pornhub on? No. Uh, that was the other email. But uh, <laughs> I couldn't get into it. Big and then bricks. when I finally did have the ability to get into 69. it, it kept telling me something went wrong. And yeah. I was like, okay, fine. So then when I got home, I went to Twitter support. I pretty much told them, hey, I can't verify my email. Sure. How do I figure out, how do, y'all, how do I verify my email? And I guess they took that as, oh, you want to appeal what you're getting locked out for? Because then I went back like an hour later and they said, oh, you're in the appeal phase. I was like, oh. Okay, whatever, Twitter. <laughs> and for those of you on audio, just so Carter's consistent with his um, his stint in Twitter jail, he's sitting there in an orange jumpsuit right now to <laughs> to show uh, protest to Twitter's you know uh, draconian rules they have that he can't even talk a little smack in the wrestling community. So yes. here's to Carter. Fight the good fight, Carter. Get get free of Twitter uh, jail. Yes, I absolutely will be uh, storming up to Twitter headquarters with a picket sign. Uh, I believe it was Shad Khan. <laughs> I'll be uh, 
I'll be uh, tweeting Tony Khan, telling him. Oh, to, uh, is it Tony Khan? Is that his name? Tony Khan, the owner of AEW. I'll be I'll be tweeting Tony Khan and being like, "Hey, uh, Twitter is suppressing my fandom of your show. Use your use your billions of dollars to get me out." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you should. Either way, Carter. And 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 then, uh, if you want to, big big dick Tony, uh, just uh, send some money our way, and we'll support you all we want to. (laughs) So you would sell out. Is what I'm hearing. I would sell in a heartbeat. Okay, unless you're honest. (laughs) You know, on that note, Carter says if if he wants Nashville, Carter will Nashville the best. So that brings us in to part two of our American Heartbreak by Zach Bryan album review. Uh, last week, we went through the first half of the record because this record is 34 songs long, a ton of songs. Um, it's really a double album, if you will, but uh, could be a triple album. But we're going into part two today. A um, couple thoughts on um like we, we gave our thoughts on the record one of the things that i didn't say last time that i i do want to mention here um anybody that's watching on video can see kyle's background of it's the album cover i really like how the album cover kind of has this like it it the it's aptly titled american heartbreak and it kind of has like a classic album sound and also the album cover just looks like it's going to be a classic album i hope it ends up being that way for zach Bryan and kyle you said you already heard him on mainstream radio just this week did that at the country music uh station out of raleigh uh, yeah was it was four seven yeah qdr um yeah they were playing something in the orange hell yeah brother so. it was either today or yesterday i can't recall now and they were and they were pimping his uh show in raleigh yeah yeah i think it's september is, 14th yeah which is pretty big for that big of a news uh oh yeah news, uh, radio station to be pimping his stuff so good for him yeah Agree with that. All right, so let's jump into the track list here on part two of American Heartbreak. Um, first one is Whiskey Fever. I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on this. For this one, for me, it's simple. It's kind of a meh, not going to lie. It's, um, it, But it, I bet it's going to be really fun in concert. Yeah, I kind I like of it. agree with you. Um, I can say, though, if this was five years ago and this song came out, it would be a bad day to be a whiskey. But uh, <laughs> I, I also, I do like the, uh, though my breath smells like my regrets again. Yeah, I mean, I think I like, it's 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 not his best song. If this were me, the album, and I were to have to cut a handful of tracks, this would be one that would get cut. But I can, I think this will be a banger if you're at the concert. But Andy, I do like that line. I agree. I like it just because it's different than just about every other song on the album. It's a little nice kind of change of pace. Yeah, it kind of has a rockabilly feel to it. Yeah, um, it's just it's kind of needed because a lot of his songs are quite heavy. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's kind of needed a little bit of levity, and I like its placement. It's right smack dab in the middle. Yeah, so, you're right about right. that. So I, I mean, I enjoy it just because it's not the same as it. None of the songs are the same, but it's a different feel to it. So. Yeah, because I mean, sonically, this is a very eclectic record. You know, there's some like country. This is definitely one of the more country rockabilly kind of sounds. There's a, a little mix of like honky tonk on one of the previous tracks, but a lot of it's really kind of you know. Um, definitely some Heartland rock, some singer songwriter. He's definitely has a heavy folk influence on his music. Um, but going the opposite of uh, Whiskey Fever is the next track, Billy Stay. Andy, I know that you've uh, got some some thoughts on this one. It's fantastic. This is one of the uh, the this is one of the, like the heavier songs that's up there. Which she's all right for me. It's it's just fantastic. The whole story, the way it's conveyed, the uh, I don't know. Just everything you could say about it, it's it's just great. 
Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that because, like, I think that this is one of the better, one of the best written songs on the record. Um, it's an interesting take on Alzheimer's. Like, if you listen to the song, he's singing from the narrator narration point of being the wife who's seeing her husband of many, many years battle with Alzheimer's. It says in the chorus, you know, Billy, say you've been falling in and out. But I think that the most powerful line, and and it's really how he emotes vocally that I really, really loved about this song was towards the um the back half Our of the song. Completely agree with you because yeah. i don't know what you're gonna say where it says if love was enough then you'd stay forever but i guess sometimes that the end is better because love turns to loss as time goes by you don't know your own name but you know mine it really speaks to like when when somebody's truly been in love and been married for that many years how even when you're in the throes of alzheimer's the degenerative brain disease like that they may not even know who they who like what their own name is, who they are, but they remember those that are closest to them. A lot of times like being the wife, that's a powerful line. And the way he delivers that, oh man, like it, it gave me chills. I don't have much to say, man. I was going to say Kyle Kyle has no emotions. He didn't like this, huh? No, I didn't like (laughs) it. I just, it's not much left to say other than that y'all haven't already said. It's fair. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Thank you for taking everything away from me. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So next up, server side of sorry. Um, Throw to you, Kyle. Uh, I'm just going to say, because I think I'm more familiar with this record than you. Gives me big dances for the lonely American Aquarium vibes. This is literally what I have wrote down. What do you think, It's like small town hymns. Oh, yeah, dude. That era, American Aquarium. That's literally (laughs) what I have wrote down. Andy, we've been doing this for a few years together. You can tell. <laughs> um, this is one of my math songs. All right, Andy, I'm going to you. <laughs> yeah, I literally, ahead, I literally have wrote down banger AA08 to 2010. But yeah. uh, the uh, this song is the uh, I don't know. I, this is kind of a relatable song to me. Granted, I'm also the American Aquarium, Eros, one heavy, you know, there, the, uh, I'll be honest right now, I'm too drunk to handle. Probably said that one before. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, this is like straight out of the playbook from dances for the lonely era. And like the, someone please remind me of who the hell I used to be. I can, I could see BJ writing that lyric. I can see BJ writing this entire song and playing this song. And then it's got that heartland rock kind of like bar band kind of vibe to it, which I'm here for. Um, this is very much like you said, uh, 08 to 2010 uh, uh, era American Aquarium for sure. So, all right, that leads into the next one, High Beams. Um, one of you guys take it away. I got wrote that. I like the way it sounds. I mean, I do. I, this song's a banger, but man, lyrically, not my speed. Kyle, I, actually, I don't mean this in any, any disrespect. But this is kind of reminded me of something BJ would write. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can see uh, like yeah. a previous era. Yeah, yeah, definitely. yeah. Hey, I don't mean that. It, yeah, and I like it. It's a banger. Oh yeah, um, I'm with you on that banger. Yeah, like, banger. This this is actually reminded me. Well, I'm not gonna disagree with you, but this was this sounds like a song that I could see being an American Aquarium song in a past life. You know, and it. I don't really know how. 
it's not Heartland Rock. How, how would you describe this? I would describe this as kind of Heartland Rock. Yeah. Okay. Like, this was another one. That's another note I had because like it, like Heartland Rock, but the it has such an infectious melody from the opening yeah. line. Like the opening line where I got too high on the couch last Sunday. She said it was fine. You worked hard all week and deserve you a little time. Oh, it hooked me immediately. I was like, hell yeah, brother. Give me whatever this straight to the bang. I'm going to make on this shit. I just love how this song, the way he sings it, is like the song, not the, the drugs. Yeah, yeah. This song, <laughs> the way he's like almost like slurring his words together, it goes right with the guitar in the background. It's like, yeah, yeah. I just think that's cool as fuck that he did that. Yeah, I think this is one of the more accessible tracks. This and Sober Side of uh, Sorry are two of the ones that I think that if you're going to tell somebody who's never listened to Zach Bryan, I think these are accessible tracks for people to get their feet wet because some Zach Bryan stuff can be really heavy and really like uh, stripped back uh, musically that I think these are good ones to give to people who are not as used to what they're going to get with a lot of his discography. Yeah. So, <clears throat> all right. Next up on the track list is the good I'll do uh, for me. It's just solid, but kind of meh. This is yeah. one of the ones that you could trim the fat on. Yeah, yeah. I'm with I, you on surprisingly, that. I really do like his vocals on this song, and it's typically not my speed of singing, but I actually kind of I, I really dig it. Yeah, I mean it's it's fine. I mean there isn't really a bad song on this album, but there are some that are not going to be as captivating to me. It's thirty four tracks, man. Like not everyone I'm going to be hitting repeat on, you know. So uh, then that brings us to someday uh, Maggie's. Um, it, I love the melody on this one as well. Um, it, it's kind of like, for me, it was kind of like it, you're in the process of learning that learning to enjoy the moment someday. Cause like in the line today, I'll hold my, my head up high knowing someday has been where uh, has been here the whole damn time. Like I have that wrote down, but <laughs> again, Andy, <laughs> we, we've, we've been on the same page, this album, <laughs> but I, I like this song. I didn't. It's probably the one I don't like. And I was telling you before we started, it's too long to get to the hook for me. It's just, it just, it's too, too. When I mean slow, it isn't like the pace of the song. Well, it is the pace of the song. It's not the speed of the notes. Slow. Yeah, it's, it's not the tempo. It's like yeah, how long it takes to grab you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's all right. You know, it's, it's right there, bang, off the jump. Yeah. Um, so this, it's, I mean, it's a five-minute song, and you got to get a minute and a half in it before it really gives you anything. I don't, I don't have that long of attention span. Yeah. That's a, and that's a personal problem, but that's why right, I was. We're roughly halfway through the second half of this. Um, I want to check in with Classic Art Carter sitting in his prison jumpsuit. Any update on the Twitter jail? Still in jail. Still in jail. All right. Still in jail. <laughs> All right. Moving into poems and closing time. Andy, what were your thoughts on this one? This is another one that kind of reminds me of some American Aquarium, too. This is surprisingly one of the, it's a pretty relatable song, actually, from like, uh, yep. I would say college, you know, those, uh, I don't know, probably about three years that I was 21. The uh, <laughs> very relatable, like the lost again past 2 a.m., like, been there i completely get it <laughs> sometimes you just are so lost that somebody has to come pick you up while you're by the tree in downtown 
There's more, it's the, you just don't know what to do when the bar's closed. Like, now what? <laughs> you walk home. <laughs> Kyle, what do you think? I had, a, I had trouble trying to follow where this song was going because he's talking about the bar closing and then he starts talking about digging ditches and I get lost every time I tr- just trying to figure out the point of the song. Did either one of you explain it to me? I have to go back no through all the lyrics. Yeah, I have to go back through the lyrics because this is a lot to process with to be able to break down the entire song. This whole song, though, is like Andy was saying, like where it got me to was talking. It's when you're talking about it, it kind of took me back in some ways to the college aspect of kind of living reckless, I think is kind of where it's at. Like poems and closing time. What do you do yeah. after the bar is done? But I th- it caught me right at the very beginning of I've been over drinking because I've been overthinking because I get so damn anxious at night. Chemicals and nicotine. Friends ask how you've been. You learn to just say you're all right. That's just such a relatable verse to me. But I'm just like, <laughs> right. I'm like, I mean, dude, yeah, preach. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with the first verse. But then he's just those bastards get richer while the poor dig ditches. And I'm just, what are we talking about? It's probably just saying that like this, this whole record kind of has like a um, it's about youth at this time and like coming of age in some ways and li- living reckless at some points when you're young. But also like, what do you do when you get past that point where it's acceptable to live young? Like, well, most of the people get into a dead end job and they they don't really ever be as successful as they thought they were going to be when they were younger. I mean, there there's lots of common themes like that all throughout this album. Yeah. But. Poems and closing time, I dig it. I think it's a banger. Relatable first verse. Yeah, big time. All right, the next one we've already covered on a previous episode. Um, I don't know if you guys remember what episode number it was, um, but it was from Austin. Lead single, absolute jam. Um, you top guys have five. Any, I think it's any? top five for the whole album. Yes. Yeah. What's the, what's the first song on the Sad Boy Summer playlist? From Austin. Yes. It's my yep. first round pick, yeah. Yep. And just got to give one last shout out to this line because, dude, Duke can write his ass off, and this line is amazing. Repression is my heaven. I'd rather go through hell. Zach Bryan has a, a knack for those types of things in, in his songs. He made me uh, Google repression. <laughs> Andy's like, he's making me learn new words. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, if she wants a cowboy. Kyle, I know you really dug this one. Oh, I, I love this song, man. I just loved a little riff at the beginning. Where he's like, this is actual real writings. He's like, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I just, this is a great like protest song where he's making fun of people that will be anything to make someone else happy. Yep. Versus just being themselves. And then I was watching this video and he did this at one of his shows and actually put the auto tune mic on, which is just, which is just hilarious. And I mean, a big, I mean, this song's a giant middle finger. That's what it is. Yeah. And the part and, I was referring to is the Nashville line. Like when yeah. he said, it goes from like, uh, I love how he turns cowboy and Nashville into a verb in the second part of each like refrain yeah. in the chorus where he's like, um, if she wants a cowboy, I'll cowboy the best. But then when it gets to the part that Kyle was referring to where it says, if she wants Nashville, I'll Nashville the best. But the moment he says Nashville, they turn the auto tune up to 11, like T-Pain. Yeah, and then he sings the last chorus in auto tune, and it's hilarious because, like you said, it's a middle finger to the the people that are just chasing clout in uh, mm-hmm. in mainstream country. But he, right before that, he even says one more verse, just so you know that he's about to do it. And I love this song, it's just because 
I think it's hilarious when people would just really voice their opinions on things that probably going to make a lot of people mad, but takes cojones to do that. And I respect him for that. Andy, what do you think? Yeah, I dig the song too. I, I like how in the, um, kind of like what Kyle said, where he's, you know, living for somebody else and, you know, he becomes, you know, world champion rodeo cowboy, you know, just like, then she won't snatch me. He's like, well, what the hell was all this for? <laughs> yep. Love that part too. Cause instead of being true to who he actually was and doing something he wanted to do, he was chasing a girl, you know, they always get us in trouble chasing a girl and becomes a cowboy. And then she doesn't even want to get real cowboy. She wants an urban cowboy. So <laughs> definitely big fan of this song. That's such a banger. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, next up is Corinthians uh, Proctor's. I'm going to let you guys kind of go first. Cause I have a, a, a couple thoughts on this that I want to go over. Andy, I'm defer to you. <laughs> I, uh, I've only got one thing wrote down from this song is the uh, nothing fun happens after you turn 25. Nope. I realized now I hadn't thought about this lately. I actually used to completely agree with that. Don't agree with it anymore. I think that's an interesting thing as you age through your 20s, at least for me. For you, I, I definitely still agree with that. But Andy <laughs> thinks that Andy told and, me it. Andy told me and one of our other buddies in a group message this weekend. We were like, what are you doing Memorial Day weekend? He's like, I'm back home. And then our buddy was like, you want to go to the lake? And he's like, no, I'm working. He goes, dude, you need to take a break. He goes, working's fun. <laughs> it is fun. And then other than that, I have no idea what the song's about. Yeah, so this song is interesting to me because one, the lines the the lines that I really love in this song is like, uh, and you're smirking like an asshole with a cheek full of tobacco in the back of some Bronco in a town where you've never been. And then Andy, the point you said where nothing fun happens after you turn twenty five. I, I think that things do are fun after twenty five. It's not like life is totally miserable, but the amount of fun that you have is more spread out than it used to be. I don't mean going out to the bar till two a.m. I just mean like having people around. You have more responsibilities when you get older. You have uh, your life is more mundane in general. Like you don't go and do have the, all the highs that you used to have. And I think to me that's kind of what that's going towards. But the part that. I really found it interesting. I don't know if this is what it actually meant or not, but it, it really kind of hit me along the lines of uh, in the verse and granddad sure was punchy, but loved Jesus to his core. I want to die today so I can learn to live for more. And he talks about dying on a Sunday. The thing, only thing I can think of that, I don't think it means literal death. I think dying on a Sunday means, you know, you, you have your wilder times when you're younger, you hit 25, you realize you have responsibilities and you can't live like that forever. And then dying on a Sunday, I think would mean like the reference to Jesus and his granddad makes me think of like your faith, like, like the Bible references, you know, dying and be, uh, and becoming born again, becoming a born again Christian. And like the, how he, many times he references, die, I want to die on a Sunday. Like, that's what I think that's me. That's how I took that. That's what I think that means. I find that very interesting how it kind of got woven in there. That would have been my guess, but my only guess is because it's a uh, chapter of the Bible is titled song. Yeah. So, I, mean, I, mean, I read the lyrics multiple times. Like, I, I don't know what it's about. Yeah. That's that's what I think that that's was my take on this song. I really like this song. I think that it's a pretty in-depth song that's also kind of fun to listen to. Uh so it, it, whenever you can uh, talk about needing Jesus and then at the same time say someone's smirking like an asshole with a cheek full of tobacco, that's uh, the best of both worlds in my book. <laughs> so All right, next up we I, we haven't 
talked about this one on the show, I don't think, but we have talked about it privately, and it's it's been a huge hit with people in his fan base and even bringing new fans in there, but there's open the gate. Um, Andy, you've ridden a bull once. you have any thoughts? I've rode one twice. Oh, sorry, you've ridden a bull twice? <laughs> no, I, you, I, I, I sat on the back of the bull for a little bit, and next thing I know, I'm sitting on the ground. But uh, <laughs> I really like how this song tells – multiple stories kind of at the same time like the the like father like son how it keeps going down the for through generations i don't really get like the the meaning behind that exactly yet i ain't figured it out still haven't and then that tells the story of you know everybody going to ride the the bull name was hell i go but uh i i like how you can tell multiple stories in the same song and all it all meshes very well yeah i think to your point i think that the point of the song kind of was it's in the very beginning where he was was saying the son of a cowboy can't claim his daddy's right. And my baby, she's been crying at the thought of me dying, but she knows you can't, there's no stopping a man and his foolish pride. I think that it's like, yeah, yeah. I think it's a great line. And like, Kyle, what do you think about this song? I think, I think this song is, the whole gist of the album is like adulthood or the struggle with it. And I think this song is trying to elaborate on a simple, the same concept, uh, by, you know, a lot of people want their parents approval, especially young men, you know, they want to get their father's approval. And I think the song is essentially trying to, trying to do that with, also, he's just going to make the same mistakes that his dad did. And, you know, I was always told growing up, if you're going to be stupid, you got to be tough. Well, if you're going to learn, might as well learn the hard way, right? Oh, yeah. That's, which is what I think this song is about. I, I agree with that because <clears throat> Andy mentioned it earlier, and it ties into what you're saying, Kyle, and it's like the narrative about his dad being a bull rider, dying on a bull named to hell I go, him becoming a bull rider. And if you look in the uh, when it gets to the verse about him dying or him dying, it says he died in Cheyenne as well and ended up being on a bull named to hell I go. And then it goes, it, it makes reference that his um, his wife is pregnant. And then he knows that his son's going to grow up to do the like to keep carrying on the cycle and doing the same thing. But I like how it, in the last chorus, it it doesn't say on a, a bull named to hell I go. It says in to hell I go's calf. So it's kind of it, it's even that that's like kind of a little thing, even with the, the bulls. It, it's like, you know, yeah, even with the bulls, same. they're doing the same thing their father did. And it's just continuing the cycle of trying to seek that approval uh, and, and trying to prove that you were you were better at something. In some ways, uh, I, I think this is a very, very good song. And I've seen lots of people. This has gotten a lot of buzz on the Internet. Open the gate. So. All right. Next up, Half Grown. Um, I'll, I'll let you guys, whichever one of you want to take this way first. I've got a couple thoughts on it. Go ahead, Kyle. <laughs> Not everybody uh, at once. <laughs> Trying to remember the song, to be honest with you. Well, I, I'll jump. I'll go first. then. I go okay. Then. Uh, the uh, one of the lines that really stayed, it got me to thinking, like seriously, like the uh, where it says, "Men are just the sum of all the things their mothers did, and they uh, try to ser- spend their life searching for the loves they had as kids." I was like, you know, I wonder if that's true. I, I think it is because I, if you, if you see a lot with people, whether they want to admit it or not, they end up 
uh, not everybody, but a lot of people end up marrying somebody like their parents. And they're not saying exactly carbon copy, but they like a lot of times men end up marrying women with similar women to with similar qualities to their mothers. So I think that that's kind of a, a, a relatively true line. That's maybe not true in every single case, but I think it's generally true. And then the other, uh, the song kind of like, I get it, but like the rest of the song, but then this line confuses me here. I was hoping Logan could cl- help clarify on this. The, uh, where my vices ain't a, uh, ain't in place of to replace a love and home. That line, that line doesn't make sense to me in relation to the entire rest of this song. Well, I think that, it sounds like that, like his, like their parents were only half grown. He's going to raise his own family to right the wrongs and all that. But that line to me doesn't make sense in the rest of the song. Well, I think that some of that is some personal story there. Like his mother was taken from him too soon. And I think that's kind of like the whole point here, whether or not, it was losing a family member to being deceased or whether it was losing or just having somebody who's not always around. Cause like, you know, you reference when he was talking about uh, your sister was a savior, your mother is a saint, but sometimes a woman is the sum of all the things her father ain't. The father's not around. Um, a lot of times you can go one of two ways. Either you can come a wild child with daddy issues, or you can uh, kind of see the things that happened and become the, uh, the sum of what they weren't in your life with the, the guy side of this, like you were talking about men are just the sum of all the things their mothers did. Like it, he's uh, he obviously was very close with his mother and his mother passed. Um, I think that the half grown line is it can be applied in both scenarios because like if you lose your parents too soon, you know, you don't get that full experience with them uh, as you're growing up. And, and growing up doesn't mean just to 18 and then it stops because people's parents, if they're involved, are very influential throughout most of their life. If it gets cut short, it kind of does in some ways for some people will stunt the, the growth process. Um, so whether it's losing someone to death or whether it's having someone who just wasn't around and wasn't there for you, it does kind of present the issue of being half grown. And that's, that was like my take on, on that part of the song. So I had an entirely different, I thought that essentially by what it, the gist of it was that, that he didn't have a good childhood. And then he's going to start his own family. Cause his parents were only half grown when he, when they were born. And it's like, that, that it's like they were only, they were kids themselves essentially but then he's going to right the wrongs of what they did and, and do it different and it i mean that could be a part of it too i mean that's the yeah, I looked at songs. It as, yeah i looked at it as resentment yeah that's what that's what i thought but then the my vices ain't a ain't a place to replace a loving home then that says that he has a loving home and his vices are something different well no that's what i'm saying though i think that there are two stories simultaneously happening here and I think Actually, you're, yeah, I, th- okay. I think we're both <laughs> yeah. correct because I think the story of the of the wife in this situation was it you know sometimes mom. a woman is the sum That's, of all the things um, her father ain't so the she's half thought, grown because it wasn't there and then they're going to right the wrongs but then like sometimes you're half grown being that you didn't give that full experience and it does affect you when you lose a loved one that was yeah. there for you and the other thought I had very similar to what you said though is that um they the him and the uh the person he's going to start the family with that uh, they had two totally different childhoods. Yeah. One had a good childhood. One had a, uh, to like the, um, for the opening line, it's like, uh, when I grab your hand or something like you, uh, you like went away like, or tense away. I can't yeah. remember exactly how it goes. That's the gist of it. They made that they had that he had a good childhood, but she did. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of where I, where I took that too. Um, but it, they both got affected differently by having someone not there for whatever the circumstances may be. I think this is one of the better written songs on the record. 
Yeah, I agree. It requires I'm multiple listens to really kind of fully grasp it. And, you know, to all of our point here, I still don't know if I get every single aspect of it yet, but um, when we're not trying to listen to all 34 and give thoughts on it, I'll be able to dive into it a little harder. But I, I do think there are two, he's telling two simultaneous stories, but him and it's two simultaneous stories of people's upbringings and things that happened to them, but at the same time, how it affected them and their relationship and what they want for their future. And it's like in, in both, in some ways they were both half grown, whether it was someone being absentee or someone dying, you know, it affects you in that way. But half grown, I think it's a great song. All right, next up, No Cure. Um, before I uh, let you guys into it, I'm going to say one thing. I think it's going to be a fun one in concert. Yep. Yeah. I think the, the chorus for this one's a banger. And that, uh, you know, I had a feeling got... you were going to say that. That's why I didn't say it because I had that written down too. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this song definitely could have probably been wrote about me from 2025. <laughs> are you drunker than you were last week uh, somebody might have said that before maybe <laughs> possibly I don't know it may have been about me I don't know Andy was it you that said he's famous for his growl yeah I've heard a lot of people say that okay. they, they, that's what I wrote down in my Zach notes Ryan growl. Yeah, that's what I wrote in my notes growl and, and the I'm, end of the I am a fan of it it's, yeah. it's unique to him yeah, Morgan uh, Wallen kind of has has a little bit of a growl in songs too. Like it, it's something that they they both are uh, pretty good at emoting with their voice in that way. Um, uh, and and Kyle, you're right. It's when he gets to the point, there ain't no home, there is no cure for no good rambling man. It comes out right then, yeah. and it just kind of hammers the point home. And Andy, to your point, I love that part in the chorus where he's like, "She said, run down the road, go where you need to go, but I need you to understand, there ain't no home, and there is no cure for no good rambling man." Andy. You used to be a rambling man, like you said, staying staying out all night when you would come into town. Uh, some of us may have been present, can I can neither confirm nor deny. And then you'd be back on the road rambling a bit. So, I mean, the rest of us were just doing the, the no good parts. We just weren't I mean, rambling. The, <laughs> the only different, the, the only things that's changed though from from then to now is they just don't drink anymore. Yeah, the no good part isn't happening. You're still rambling. Yeah. <laughs> It's not as wild as it used to be. Yeah. All right, Kyle. I know the next one is one that you really like. Uh, 68 Fastback. Yeah. I, I love this song because it's a, it's kind of similar to, um, was it, ain't, was it the Cowboys song? I'm bad with names. Uh, if she wants a cowboy. If she wants a cowboy. It's essentially, this girl has taken everything from him and he still is just not good enough and he just can't get over it. Um, she, I mean, song's sad from a male perspective in a relationship and I, I'm a fan of those. Uh, I like the long, I like the sign where it's uh, the sign, the line where uh, it's like, you use me to parts, to you I'm just salvage. I ain't ran right in years, so drive me, then gut me, deceive me, and fuck me, then disappear again. <laughs> 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 that shit's funny. It's funny, but it's not. Because, I mean, she's just, she's leading him on and just using him. And, you know, most of the time you would, you assume in a relationship, usually the guy is just using the girl. That's what society tells us. That's what, yeah. And it's, it's took the same concept and just yeah. flipped it. 
And I think that is great. I, I do agree with you. I think it's a really good song. This isn't one that I, I naturally gravitate to and love, but I, I look from a songwriting perspective. I love it because to your point, it's he uses the analogy of a broke down car being how she treated him. And then at the end and like how I took it was someone came along and fixed him. And now he's uh, he, he makes a 68 fastback look like a hatchback going next to him because somebody kind of like when you restore a car, somebody came and restored him. And I think this is a cool way of doing the boyfriend country thing once again of somebody kind of helps fix you along and and makes you better but without doing it in a way that makes me want to puke uh it was done in a creative way and i love the analogy using the the automotive uh aspect to it oh yeah i mean he's running on 91 and i'm pete and he's 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 in tip-top performance now mm-hmm. and shot shocker i'm still pretty much with logan on this one but uh i really do like how he wrote the song where the song could still be about a, it's obviously about a person this song could still be about a car the the analogy is so well uh, it, it could no. except for the line about fucking well you had to bring up the <laughs> one line that, that that didn't work i mean now you see now people get emotionally attached to vehicles they do but i hope nobody's a automotive sexual Yeah, I don't, I don't see how you could. Yeah, I mean, I mean, here's one line where it's like I'm, pierce, I'm piecing myself back together off the shelf one by one, and now I've got a driver who chooses the high road. They don't use me for scraps or throw my ass back. I mean, so he says he says I he says I you don't you can't use I when you're talking about a car. I'm saying I'm just saying that obviously the song is by person, but the analogy is so well it could still almost be about a car. I don't see two stories in this one. <laughs> and it's the- Carter, well, you're the you're the tiebreaker here. Andy or, or Kyle, who's right here, just from what you've heard from the descriptions, because I know you've never heard this song. Uh who's right about fucking cars? What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you should fuck cars. Probably not. Might hurt. Yes, they're missing. Oh, yeah, Kyle's right. <laughs> Thank, you, Andy. Cars. <laughs> Thank you, Carter. Oh man. Uh, but yeah, 68 Fastback, very well-written song. All right, uh, moving into Blue. I, I love the way this song sounds. I, it's another love song done right that, I, like as I just said, doesn't make you want to puke. Um, I, I don't like a lot of love songs because they're so cheesy and so cornball. But this one, I think, is able to navigate the aspects of a love song and do it well to where people that hate love songs will actually kind of kind of dig it a little bit. Yeah, I'm pretty much with you on that one. Though. I do like the I'd rather be ruined by you than loved it all. And the uh, the electric guitar in this song is a heater. One yeah. of my favorite things from the out, like sound wise from the album is that electric guitar in this song. Hot. Andy says, when you're hot, you're hot. When you're not, you're not. Jerry. Wasn't there another song in this album where he used to leave out Gene Queen? So, yeah, the only thing about that is based on the Spotify lyrics and the Google lyrics, it says in this one, it's knee hygiene queen. Now, what's a knee hygiene? That's what I was wondering. I don't know. But it sounds like Levi Gene Queen. That's what I thought, too. But the the Spotify lyrics and everything say knee high. And I don't I just don't hear that. Yeah, I hear Levi pulling stuff from Google. Yeah, Levi knee hygiene aren't even a thing. Those are called jorts. Or a capris, if you're going to what the women used to wear when we were in the yeah, girls used to wear when we were in high. middle school. There you go, they're shin high. They just don't yeah. show them ankles. 
<laughs> it's a little bit uh a little bit risque for the Amish. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean I'd love to know what everybody what the, the listeners think about it. Is it Nehi or Levi? I think it's Levi, but we have another uh uh Andy, what was it, the turnpike thing? Trees or trees or treason. treason. Yeah, I think it's Levi, but either way. All right, moving in the morning time. Um this is a song that was a slow burn for me. It's not one that I naturally was just like digging it. But once it gets to the chorus, man, it has such a relatable aspect. And I'm going to circle back to something Kyle just said two songs ago on how they always talk about um, the the natural thing about what people say in life is men leading women on. And I think this chorus kind of flips the script on that pretty well, where he's like, I swear you'd be here when I finally woke. I I love you in the evenings, but I fucking hate high hopes because, you know, Chick's just using him for his body, man. Then she's gone. She's just leading him on. And he's like, I fucking hate high hopes. I, I really like that aspect of it. Flip the script on him. This song to me sounds like a Jason Isbell song. Yes, it does. Sound wise. And then yeah. the, uh, I didn't really know what this song was about the most of the time. He, he suckered me on though when he says, I fucking hate love. I like, <laughs> I like that line. I kept leaning towards, I was thinking that she had a drug problem, but I never really got this song. Could be. Because, like, when you go down hard, you come up swinging like a, like a drug issue. And then, like, he loves her in the morning because she's sober in the morning. That makes sense. I like but that. I wasn't take. sure. Only there. Because I, that, but in high hopes would have been like, I don't know. He comes home from work and she's stoned. Yeah, hoping that she's, she's going to be better. Yeah, he's having high yeah. hopes that she's actually not going to be stuck on having substance abuse issues. Yeah, it makes sense it? because he says, yeah, it does. Uh, he says, we like this take. <laughs> yeah, we do like this take. He says, loving you is like more, more in simpler times. That could be. I, yeah, I could see that, Andy. Yeah, yeah that makes sense to me. Yeah, I, I'm with but you in on the morning. This she brings him back in. When it's Sunday morning coming down. Yep. But Kyle, you got any other things about this one before we move to the last one? I was really confused on it to Andy's articulate uh, analysis. <laughs> now I've been swayed. The chorus yeah. suckered me in. I I I need to know what the song was about. Yeah, the chorus suckered me into this one. It was definitely the chorus that suckered me into because like I, I I'm with you when he says I fucking hate love. I was like, oh yeah, okay, okay. Now you got my you, attention. You got me, now. <laughs> I was like earlier you piqued my interest, but now you've got my attention. I was like, I got, I got you. I hear you, big dog. All right. Last one on the record. It's a poem. Eh, I don't really like poems. I like songs. I was curious what you guys were going to think about this. I, I need to listen to it some more because I just, I have a hard time sitting through that because I don't like listening to people recite poems. I'm not a beatnik. You don't want to. Yeah. Oh, crap. Like, yeah, I'm not into that. Is this I know, this, I know that's very lowbrow of me, but I, I, I like songs. I like poetry and music. I don't like regular poetry. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I questioned, was this him? Because this is normal voice. Well, when he's talking, it, yeah. it doesn't sound anything like his singing voice, right? I was like, is this really him? Well, as someone who's had a five minute conversation with him in Raleigh, North Carolina, once, I can assure you, this is him. Okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, I didn't really like it because it, it was a poem, but put some music with it, it might be good. I don't know. I just. Didn't really want to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I, I have a hard time with poems. I love this. Like the uh, 
it's the it's Andy's like, the like Andy's like me as an intellectual. Generally, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I fucking hate poems too. But the uh, <laughs> it's the way that he's talking. He's not just like talking in a normal voice. There's like strain in his voice during parts of it, and the uh, little guitar that he's got going in the background of it. I was like sitting on the edge of my seat to see where this goes, and like I I love his execution of it. But by the end of it, no fucking clue what this guy's talking about. Now, does not make sense to me at all. But the way he, I was sitting on the edge of my seat listening to this. I love the way this is executed. Generally, I'm a guy that hates poems. Yeah, all I know this song is about is it's cold. He's talking about snow. Yeah. Okay, it's not that close to what you you missed most of it, but. I'm sure there is an artistic expression here that really ends the album on a high note that I just went over my head because I'm an idiot. Way over my head. I'm not that smart. Yeah, I know. Because he goes to a a house in the woods. And then, but like, he doesn't know anybody there, but he knows the people. He's like, I don't know where I am, but I I know exactly where I am. I was like, I don't know what that means. My only take on that was, because I do remember that part now that you say it. And I, my take on that was, I think it was him having a him having a dream, and the dream being very familiar, and really it was kind of a a vision almost, or, a, or like I said, it could be just a dream sequence of that being his wife, that being his family, like a fever dream at the beginning of the song. Yeah, says, yeah, in the poem where he says that. Yeah, and that being like his wife and his family, and he doesn't know them because he hasn't met them yet, but he he does know them, and it feels comfortable or whatever he said. But that that was the only part that I kind of was like, yeah, I, I kind of get what I think I get what he's getting at. I did. But, but I like yeah. it. I don't have to listen to it some more because I'm gonna. I, I'm curious now what it's about. I just I it's, don't like poems. If you listen to it, he he strains his voice, sort of like almost like he emotes his words when he says it. Right. And there is a little guitar playing it in the background. Yeah, it is, but it's you know still more of it's a, it's exciting it's poem, poem reading to me. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, that's our review for Zach Bryan's American Heartbreak. Gotta say, definitely recommend this. Um, just like we did with the first half, boys, before we throw it over to why we have Classic Carter here um, this week. What are your three favorite songs from the second half of American Heartbreak? Oh, from Austin. Yeah, retweet. Billy Stay. No. Uh, it's hard to choose between 68 Fastback and If She Wants a Cowboy. I know, right, so I'm going to pick 68 Fastback because I know one of you guys is going to pick If She Wants a Cowboy, I think. Yeah, I was a good, I'm going to go different. I'm going to go just different from Kyle. I, I'm not, no objections here. I'll go. I'll make it a little easier because I know Logan will pick it. Uh, give me Sober Side of Sorry. Give me poems and closing time, and give me morning time. Well, uh, we were pretty close on it. I, for me, it's actually poems and closing time, high beam, and sober side of sorry with Billy Stay being an honorable mention on that. I still, I'm with Kyle from Austin. I just, just oh, to throw something song. else out. Yeah. I, I pretty I, much I agree with Kyle. That's I, I, I'm pretty much with Kyle on this one. I would just change out 68 fastback, probably sober side of sorry. Yeah, but fantastic record. Uh, hats off to Zach Bryan because 34 tracks is a very, very ambitious um, project, and I think he did really well with it. And this is going to be an album that catapults him even bigger than he already is. Because I mean, 
dude, this is his first like full studio record, and he's already going to be selling out Red Hat Amphitheater downtown with a few thousand people. His show last year at um, the Ritz was amazing. So love this record. Uh, definitely recommend everybody checking it out. It'll never yeah. happen, but just 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 follow me out here and imagine this. Pulls up BJ Barnum and plays the whole album start to finish. Be one be, hell of a concert. That would be that would be it's longer than a, that's longer than a normal set. Not gonna happen, but <laughs> would it not be lit? It would be lit. It'd be litty titty. Yeah, my one complaint is it's too damn long. Yeah, it's a it's a investment to listen to, but yeah, either way. That, Last point I got is that uh, I do agree it is too long. If you're trying to take this in as an album as a whole, you're never going to do it. Yeah. If you don't split it up, you're never taking this in as an album as a whole. It's too big. It's too large. Yeah. Agree with that. So definitely check it out. American Heartbreak by uh, Zach Bryan. All right. Classic Rock Carter. Our main Uh, man who covers pro wrestling. Who is Hang on. in Twitter? We got, a, we, got a, we got a jail update. Yep, we have an update. We have an update. Uh, I am out of jail. You're out of jail. Well, then you take I'm take your jail. orange jumpsuit off. I'm out of jail, and that well, then I'd be naked, and you <laughs> you'd be seeing my titties. <laughs> we can blur it yeah, out. Y'all get like flagged on YouTube and shit. But no, you won't get uh, flagged for being shirtless. Just what, look at any Burt Kreischer uh, uh, interview. <laughs> that guy doesn't wear shirts. Uh. But I did have to delete the tweet. They made you delete the tweet. They, they made me delete it. They said it if you do not Twitter. delete this tweet, uh, you will not get access to your account back. So I had to delete I, it. Soft. I would tell them to take their little appeal, shine it up real nice, then take it and shove it up the Rudy Pooh candy ass. That's a good segue into why we have Carter here today. So, Carter, you wrote an article for the website, goldcansnetwork.com. Check that out. There's two brand new articles. Carter uh, had one out that was about the AEW uh, pay-per-view, Double or Nothing. Uh, Carter, um, what's happening in the world of AEW these days? So uh, just to piggyback off of that, I will be writing an article reviewing Double or Nothing uh, that will come out later this week uh, when I get some time. Uh, But yeah, I did write an article predicting the show. I was 9 for 13 as far as predictions go. Not bad. Uh, but, um, AEW's, it was a damn good show. It was long as hell. That show went from, if you count the pre-show, it went from 7 p.m. to a little after 1230 at night. That was long as fuck. I was exhausted by the end of that show. Too much That's wrestling. what she said. So, <laughs> apparently the reason they did that was... Uh, game seven of the NBA playoffs was on at the same time, and they didn't want the main event to happen during that game, so they extended some of the matches, apparently, which doesn't make sense because if you're paying for a pay-per-view, you're going to be watching the pay-per-view the whole time. Anyway, I don't know. It's a dumb mindset. And uh, Tony Khan bought the extra hour, because usually most AEW pay-per-views do run to midnight, he bought the extra hour because um, he wanted Martha Hart, who presented the belts and the Owen Cup, to speak as long as she wanted to. If she wanted to go out there and talk for 30 minutes, he was totally willing to let her do that. She didn't. She was pretty short, sweet, and to the point. 
but uh, honestly, she would have would have deserved it. But anyway, um, pay-per-view was great. Uh, there were very few low points on the show. I gave it a nine out of ten. Um, the the only reason it wasn't a perfect show was because it didn't need thirteen matches. Did not need thirteen matches. There were two matches that they literally slapped on there on Friday. And while one of them was Darby Allen and Kyle O'Reilly kicking the absolute shit out of each other. Hey, watch your language. You already been putting Twitter jail once. No, no, I didn't say I didn't say they were killing each other. I said they were kicking the shit out of each other. That's fine. They said as long physical as harm. Kicking is physical harm, Carter. Yeah, it's a felony. Yeah, you're fine, right. You'll have to call it foot holding or foot throwing. <laughs> Did you, you, you know that um, you know something that's funny is that uh this is completely off topic. Well, it's kind of not off topic. In when WWE does their German commentating, they are not allowed to refer to anything that's happening in the ring as violence. They have to they have to talk about the storylines the whole time. So it's just like Twitter. Yeah, I guess so. My guess is I probably got. I can almost guarantee a Sammy Stan saw that and was like, oh my God, he's, he wants Sammy dead. I'm going to put this guy in Twitter jail because he doesn't like Sammy. Just call him what he is, Snowflake. Yeah, yeah. I don't like using those words. But uh, pay-per-view was great. He's a fucking snowflake. <laughs> pay-per-view was great. Uh, there were the two big things coming out of the show. Is that no Britt Baker's match actually was one of the low points in the show. No, she's never a low point, my friend. She 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 didn't deserve to win that Owen Cup, man. Chauvinistic of you. Yeah. But you wanted a man to win it. No, the other one of the other women's show won it. I mean, there was two there was two tournaments. There was a men's tournament and a women's tournament. So um the thing was, was that the real life couple of Adam Cole and Britt Baker won both Owen tournaments. Yeah. Which I guess makes for a good story, but Cole, I'm okay with winning because he kind of needed it to bounce back from losing to Adam Page twice uh, about a month or two ago. Britt didn't need it. Britt is still like top of the women's division. She's not lost any momentum from losing the women's title back in March. And she's hot. A wom- another woman should have won that. Should have won it. I don't care if it would have been Ruby Riot, who was her was facing her at that pay per view, or I honestly think Tony Storm should have beaten uh, Britt in the semis and then went on to the finals and won. Anyway, I concur. Uh, uh, the other big, the two big things coming out of it is that CM Punk is now the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Um, this is his first World Championship in fucking nine years. Mm-hmm. It's literally he literally hasn't been in AEW in less than a year. He literally redebuted after being gone for seven years. Back in so geez, what was it? September, October. Yes. Wow. Wrestling's predetermined. What a completely, <laughs> absolutely <clears throat> shocking concept here in the year 2022. That wrestling <laughs> it's, still is real to, it's still real to me, damn it. It's still Wait, it's not real, real to me, damn it. 
No, uh, but Carter, see, I, I like the CM Punk is champion. I'll tell you why. Oh, I do too. CM Punk, like, just because he hasn't been there a year doesn't mean anything to me. CM Punk is a bona fide star in pro wrestling. And he, oh, he, he's he been gone for a while. Plus, dude is what, in his early 40s now? Yeah. Like, he's going to have to have some title reigns now while he still is on the tail end of his prime. Like, is he still straight edge? Yes, he is. He still drinks that trash Pepsi over Coke, which is crazy. But <laughs> maybe he um, changed his mind, but he can't change the tattoo. So here's the, <laughs> so here's my thing about it. My my thing about it was that the match itself was really good, but the ending of the match played into a lot of what we've been seeing with Adam Page over the past, since AEW started. Adam Page's whole story in AEW is that he is, as many people call him, he's the anxious millennial cowboy. He is a dude who literally, he has constantly had to fight his anxiety, his depression, his thought that nobody wants him, his thoughts that he's not good enough, his thoughts that even if he makes it to the mountaintop, he still is not good enough to be there. Well, toward the end of his title reign, you kind of thought he, he shouldn't be champion anymore. I was waning on it a bit. Um, you didn't believe in him anymore. So I think there might have Carter been a little didn't something think to he was good gimmick. enough. I was waning on him a bit. It was actually mostly the beginning of his title reign. Right at the beginning, right before, right about the point where he stopped feuding with Brian Danielson. And then before he really got into the Lance Archer feud, he was really not doing a whole lot of anything. He picked up steam after the Archer feud and then went into the feud with Adam Cole. Um, but the thing was that the end of the match was they went outside. Adam Cole has been not Adam Cole. Adam Page has been essentially using the rhetoric that he is trying to save AEW from CM Punk because he thinks Punk is going to like essentially leave AEW high and dry, just like he did WWE. Because <laughs> Punk is heel now, right? No, Punk is not healed now. This was essentially a feud between two faces. Huh. Um, <laughs> and for tweeners, I suppose. Uh, and so Paige's whole rhetoric has been essentially that he wants to try and save AEW from CM Punk. A lot, it's essentially been theorized, or they've kind of been playing into that Punk with his. The way you know, Punk is a really good promo. You, sure. you know that from yeah. your time watching him bomb. back when Andy remembers that shit. Yeah, we, you you remember literally when we were in college watching that was like Punk's heyday mm-hmm. in WWE. Thirty four days of being champ. Yeah, exactly. So Punk really got into Page's head, and we essentially considered that Page was using that rhetoric to either convince himself that he was good enough to take on punk or convince everybody else. Essentially at the end of the match, page grabbed his belt and he looked at it and he thought about hitting punk with it for about a good minute. The referee was knocked out and he kept looking at that belt and he kept looking at punk and he was raring up to hit him. And at the last minute he threw the belt down and he said, no, I'm not going to win that way. He went to the ring apron. He went to hit the buckshot lariat. Punk caught him. GTS one two three. I don't. I don't like that shit from people that are supposed to be the faces or the good guys. I want them to be like Bret Hart. Cheat if you need to. 
or just Eddie Guerrero in general, lie, cheat, and steal when when at all costs. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be interesting. My main thing is that I'm seeing a lot of rhetoric. I'm seeing a lot of people who are comparing this to like Goldberg winning the belt in 2020. Ooh, it's just an old ex WWE guy coming in and putting down all the AEW stars. Punk can't go anymore, and that's that's such a shit comparison because Punk is literally like on the run of his life right now. He's been putting on bangers with Dax Harwood and Dustin Rhodes and uh, Penta El Cerro Miedo. Like, dude's been killing it lately in the ring. It's not like Goldberg, who literally would show up on a Raw, point at the champion, go, you're next, and then not show up again until he beat them for the belt in Saudi Arabia. Because he didn't have to. He's Goldberg. He's the fucking man. All right, Carter, well, I got a question for you. What are your what were the top three matches of the night on the card? Ooh, top three matches of the night. Um, honestly, I really loved Anarchy in the Arena. Anarchy in the Arena um, of the Jericho Appreciation Society against John Moxley, Brian Danielson, Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz. Bloody chaotic brawl. Um, That's why you went to Twitter, Joe. No, that is not the reason I went to Twitter, Joe. The reason I went to Twitter, Joe, was one of the lower matches, um, in my opinion. No, I'm saying using language like that. Oh. But, uh, well, literally, Eddie Kingston tried to kill Chris Jericho, he doused him in gasoline in the middle of the ring. Here we go with this guy with his rhetoric. Showed up looking like a serial killer covered in other people's blood. Was that number three? Uh, I'm going to just give my general top three. I don't know if I could really rank them yet. I'd have to like give it a nice rewatch somewhere down the line. Maybe if AEW would go ahead and release that network that they need to freaking release so i can give them 9.99 instead of wwe but uh the tag title match was also really fucking good um jungle boy and luchasaurus versus keith lee and swerve strickland versus ricky starks and powerhouse hobbs literally just like 20 minutes of just non-stop action and yeah i'll say cm punk and hangman adam page was probably that was the match I went into and was the most interested in. As I know, I am just killing the interest of uh, Kyle and Andy over here. <laughs> and, and Andy's only Andy only cares if I talk about Randy Orton. That's true. So, uh, RK bro. Don't call Steve Austin. <clears throat> yeah, neither of them are in that company. Yeah, <laughs> well, Carter. Baby uh, Sting win. Sting? Baby, baby Sting? No, Darby he lost. Darby Allen. Darby lost, even... After getting like his fucking nose broke and landing on his head like five or six times, he lost. <laughs> Unfortunate. Yeah. All right, so Carter, when should we expect your uh, your full on review on the ColdCansNetwork dot com? Uh, I'd say this week le- this weekend at the latest. I'm gonna try and okay. get up a little bit earlier, but this weekend at the latest. Okay. I, I might try and get shoot for Thursday night. If not Thursday, it might be Saturday or Sunday. Gotcha. Well, you heard it here first, folks, from our pro wrestling correspondent, who is just good news, been released from Twitter jail. Classic Rock Carter. We're looking for, I'm looking forward to the review. I can't speak for the other two because I will read it. But definitely everyone check out Carter's work at uh, ColdCansNetwork.com. 
Um, I've got a new article out as well. I want to push out there real quick about <clears throat> how the NC State, uh, how the NCAA hates NC State. Um, check that out about the baseball team. And um, like we always say, go follow us on, twi- on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, give us a, a subscribe and hit the alert bell on YouTube, ColdCansNetwork.com. Check out the website. <clears throat> and, um, you know, go on over to Apple Pod- Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Give us five stars. Great review. Really does help us out when you do that. TikTok. And, um, TikTok, yeah. We've been getting some good run on TikTok, so definitely go follow us there. All day on CC wrestling now that I'm out of jail. That's true. Now that he's back, (laughs) (laughs) he's out of jail. Follow him there on Twitter uh, for the best pro wrestling coverage you can get on the internet anywhere. And that's the bottom line because Logan said so. All right. For this episode of Country and Cold Cans, I'm Logan sitting here with Trucker Andy, Kyle, and the man just released from Twitter prison, Classic Rock Carter. We'll see you next time. Later.